0: With us right now, Gemma Bonham Carter. Uh, Gemma, you are a course expert and you are found on the web at GemmaBonhamCarter.com. Gemma is G-E-M-M-A and Bonham Carter, just like Helena, we were talking before the podcast. (laughs) Yes, you are related.
1: Yes, I have sad. I was saying sadly, no juicy stories to share of she and I having like a dinner together. She's a my dad's cousin. Um, but yeah, I do share the same last name and they're, you know, obviously some kind of genetic connection, although I can't say that my acting chops are nearly as good as hers.
0: Yeah, sure. Sure. And the Bonham Carter's, um, do, do you know where like that comes from? Cause it's mm-hmm. a, it's a very cool. And now of course, very culturally pop, you know, yes. all, everyone's familiar because of Helena. but yeah, it was and, like, and soon, and soon Gemma, of course. Uh-
1: Right, exactly. Yeah. Uh, No, it was like generations and generations ago, the Bonhams and the Cutters came together. Um, They were like bringing land together in England. And so I guess that's what you would do is you bring two families together and create this hyphenated last name. So yeah, it goes back a long way
0: very cool all right so from a high level again i'm at uh on your website gemmabonhamcarter.com. Um, you are an online course expert so i'm very curious because i think that you were kind of talking just briefly before um we started recording um I, you know i think if we go back like five eight years you know passive income just create an online course Throw a bunch of Facebook ads and all your wildest dreams will come true.
1: Yes. <laughs> and oh my goodness.
0: And and easy, easy, easy money, right? It's it's so that was five to eight years ago. Gemma, um, you know, obviously, you know, you've you've ridden the stormy waters over the past five years and and what i really appreciate is you've kept sharp and and you've kept in the groove and like really paying attention to what's working acknowledging what no longer works anymore so i'm very excited to learn what you know about marketing online courses today
1: absolutely i think the game has really shifted and changed and for the better i mean i don't think any of us want to be in that kind of you know, sleazy world where it's just about having like the perfect sales page with some, you know, flashy marketing language and Mm -hmm. then all the upsells, right? Like that's not uh, what is working these days. And I think what's really the most important thing is solving a real problem for people. And, and the online course thing, like this is where it gets, You know, I'm always talking about courses and so always have to battle that perception of like make a million dollars overnight. It's super easy. Flip this switch, and Mm -hmm. you'll be, you know, have your passive income dreams come true. And it's it's not at all that easy, but it is an incredible business model. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, you can scale your revenue, especially as like a solopreneur or someone with a small team who might not be able to take on any more one-to-one clients without, say, growing an agency. You can add in this new revenue stream and really see your overall business income be bolstered by something like this and offer a new way for people to work with you that you've never been able to do before. And so I think what it really comes down to is solving a real problem for people in the marketplace, something that they're truly, you know, um, want to solve for themselves and connecting with them and, and not being you know, just being real and creating deep connections with people. And you can do that in a lot of different ways and building that know, like, and trust. So they're just excited to hop into this program with you. And if you do those things right, like you don't need the flashy sales page. I use ads and I think they're great to when you're ready to scale, but you don't need to use ads to be successful with courses. There's a lot of different ways to do this. And I think it really comes down to to some of those core foundational things
0: yeah yeah for sure you know gemma, one thing that that uh it's just so critical to me and and i and I wonder like how you um you know when we're talking about copy and and communicating like one thing that's just ugh, i mean i just i i i get so i i i overly worry about right is is authenticity like i i want. I just don't want to be that slimy salesy kind of, you know, and and it it really, it, it bugs me every time I think about what I'm going to be communicating to an audience or potential customers or whatever. I don't want to overpromise, but yet at the same time, I still want to inspire. Like, how do you walk that line?
1: Yeah, that's such a good question. It is a fine line for sure. I think there's a couple of things that I do in my copywriting. First of all, I share a lot of stories. And so I think that that's always a really good way to develop connection with someone in a way that doesn't just feel like a templated copywriting Mm. sort of sales page type of thing. I share a lot of vulnerability of who I am and my story, and then also stories of people that I've worked with. And so I think when when you share those kind of case studies and social proof and testimonials, it helps you really show people that this is for real. This isn't just you putting out some really false promises out into the world or trying to be inspiring, but maybe erring on the side of, hmm, is this a scam, right? When we can actually just, I. I, I've okay, I've done great things for myself and my business. I'm more interested in sharing the stories of the clients and students that I've worked with, because I think that is far more powerful because I'm not just teaching you what I've done. I'm showing you that what I've done can be replicated over and over and over again. And that these Mm -hmm. are real people with real stories in all kinds of different niches. This is the other thing that I'm, you know, often feel like I have to argue against with courses is people think it's just teaching people how to make money. And that's the only way you can be successful with online courses. And what I love is in my student community, like that is the bare minimum of people have these B2B type of courses. For the most part, people Mm -hmm. are in all kinds of niches. Like I have this incredible student right now who's teaching people how to have uh, unmedicated childbirths or another student that's like all about um, it's breastfeeding. I tend to attract a lot of like moms into, into my community and, you know, the course model can be successful in any of these niches. I also have students who are doing obviously amazing stuff in the B2B space as well. But, you know, it's simply a business model that can be used across industries. And I think that's like really amazing and powerful.
0: Yeah. Hey, how do you deal, Gemma, with the with the reaction or the objection? I, I don't understand why I have to pay for that. Isn't that just free on podcasts and YouTube? Yeah. Like, well, for example, like I I hope that you know this conversation leads to a lot of valuable information. And so, um, you know, naturally we're gonna be limited. Sorry, I'm kind of answering your question perhaps, (laughs) right? But but I wonder because of the, you know, just how prevalent, like you can learn anything on YouTube. Um, So how does someone say, okay, Yeah, YouTube's free, but here's why you should pay and actually pay, you know, in some cases a considerable amount uh, to be able to watch my videos. Because trust me, they're better. Right.
1: I think there's a couple of layers to the answer. So number one is if someone's really successful at um, being a really good sort of creator of a course or program, they know what fluff to cut. And so it's how do I get my student, the result that they want, the transformation that they want in the fastest, easiest, most effective way possible. And so you're eliminating a lot of that time on YouTube University or down the Google rabbit hole, right? So that's Mm -hmm. one um, advantage of paying somebody to learn inside of a program is that you get there faster. Number two, and I do this with all of my programs and a lot of my students do this as well, is offering some coaching, and so with all of my programs you get access to me and it's not like Gemma's team it's mm-hmm. Gemma And so I'm inside of my student uh, my student community for my program course creator school. I'm in there every Tuesday afternoon answering students questions. they get my eyes on their stuff and just having the ability to speak to someone who's maybe a couple steps ahead of what like of where you want to go is so powerful. it can be really a catapult for people to, keep going because inevitably with whatever we're trying to learn or create in our businesses, there are going to be stumbling blocks and you need someone to help you get over those to get to where you want to go. Mm -hmm. And then number three with programs and courses is that you get, generally speaking, usually you get a community that comes along with it and the power of being in community with other people who are doing the same thing you're doing, working towards similar goals you're working toward is an incredible again, like a catalyst to help keep propelling you forward. So I think those are, there's a lot more, but those are some of the most important things that I think sort of come with you enrolling in a program or a course, yeah. um, that you just don't get if you are using YouTube university, you know? for
0: Sure. For sure. Um, and, and Gemma, um, also I'm wondering in terms of like, um, the the offer right and and what goes into the value stack uh i suspect right and and so i know i've advised you know when we've had clients are like well you know we have a lot of the stuff is video based you know can i just sell it as a course i'm like mm, my recommendation is you know that that's fine you know note that you have a lot of video based education but but maybe that's not the thing you lead with right and so the the video happens to be a delivery mechanism but the greater value is access and community i i don't know may i mean that's my philosophy i'd love your take on that
1: totally i think i what i lead with is the transformation and so yes. telling yeah, the yeah, student yes. like yes. the potential yes, student what it is that where we're going to get you by the end of this program. So that's what we lead with. And then the vehicle piece, I like to talk about it having multiple components. So just like how someone it uh, we have different learning styles, like all of us out in the world, we all learn differently. So we want to take that into consideration when we're creating that course offer. So to your point, there are going to be people who really value community, coaching, access, all of those types of things. There are going to be people, be people who value the video content. So let's make sure that we highlight that as well. There are going to be people who value templates, cheat sheets, swipe copy, plug and play, like the things that just make it faster. I am that person. If you can give me something so that I can do it faster, that's Mm. for me, my buying decision often relates to that piece of it. So it's thinking about these different sort of buckets of people and, and styles of teaching that we can, um, I use something with my students called the bucket system. So we sort of go through all this and I have five buckets and you want to make sure that you have elements from each bucket, you know, to really make your offer feel super comprehensive and therefore an easy yes for somebody to, to say to themselves, wow, that's high value. That's not just a bunch of my videos popped together into a platform. That is an entire package.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. So Gemma, for someone who let's talk about audience, right? Because I think it's um, it's a myth that if you have zero audience, it's it's going to be easy, right? Somehow, you know, exposure is everything, and um, I, I think it's also particularly difficult if you say, okay, well, I don't have any audience, but I'm just going to market, and people are going to instantly fall in love and give me two ninety nine. Yeah, um, there. If if we're just beginning the relationship, there, it's a big ask, right? When I think of consumer behavior, we're all consumers. Doesn't matter if you sell B two C, B two B. Um, it's that's a big ask uh, to, to say, okay, you've only known me for 15 minutes. You know, you clicked on my ad, you read my ad copy. You don't know me from Adam, but go ahead and give me $300. Yeah. Like that's just not realistic in my world.
1: <laughs> no, me neither. I think if you want to do sort of lower ticket offers straight from a Facebook ad, I think those have legs and those can work. When I say mm-hmm. low ticket, I'm talking under a hundred bucks. Um, you know, if they're really specific, solve a pain point for people that they're experiencing today, that can work. If it's something higher end or any kind of program like that, that yeah, is in the couple hundred dollar range and up, um, you need to have more time with that person and create more connection and trust. And what, so I'm a huge believer in email lists. Uh, My students always laugh because like I light up when we get to talk about email marketing. It's one of my favorite things. And I think part of, the reason why is because I create deep connection with folks on my email list and I show mm-hmm. up there first. You know, they get my best stuff. They get it before anybody else on social media does. And it feels different because if I'm showing up in their email inbox, that feels more personal, right? It feels a little bit like the mailbox outside your house that, you know, you signed up just for, for this mail. Um, it's not just seeing it on a news feed on a social media platform. And so I really encourage all of my students, no matter where they are with their audience building, that that's the focus. We want to get people on our email list and start creating valuable content there that is going to really develop that connection and trust and open doors to working with people, whether you're building a one-to-one type of business and doing done-for-you style offers or a course type of offer. And I love to say, like, let's make sure that we at least hit A 200 subscriber number before we go to launch a course, because we're not going to worry about launching something when we have 20 people on our email list. I can tell you that that's not going to work out well for us. Like, let's maybe develop a one to one offer and land some clients that way, but we're not ready for a course or group offer yet. I find 200 to be like a bit of a sweet spot Mm. uh, point because even if we were to get, you know, like not crazy high conversion rates, but if you can fill a program, let's say you have 10 or 15 spots for that first version of a group program, you can have a really substantial payday for the first time you're doing something. And Mm -hmm. I'm a big believer in sell first, create second. So we're not gonna go and create a a course before we've sold it. We're selling it to these 200 people first. We say get 15 of them into this group program and we kind of deliver it live the first time, really make sure they get results. We're gonna over deliver for them. We're going to pour everything into these folks because they're going to turn into our case studies and testimonials and be our biggest cheerleaders.
0: That's interesting, boy. You get you're getting my brain going because right now we're just about ready to hit active client number one hundred. We you know we do a very specific process, a very specific, very labor intensive. It's high ticket, mm-hmm. um, and we're you know we've got really great tests. I'm wondering if I'm getting close to you know because I've really put this off. Because one thing, and again, here I go with my insecurities. Right? Is is I just I I'm really nervous about being that guru, right? So that's why I've always tended to lean toward just working individually with, and, and quite frankly, privately with people. Give to everybody you know, right. without sales, like I, but again, these are my own insecurities. How do you deal with someone who's insecure about being a guru and like, oh my gosh, I'm going to put this out there and then people are going to judge me or, uh, you know, another part of this too, this kind of a 2 part right? This is the whole imposter syndrome? Now, I don't have imposter syndrome because I've got the results. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do like, I, I am a bit nervous about, oh, here comes Mr. Get rich quick guy here.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I think it
0: it bugs me so much.
1: Yeah, no, it bugs me too. I think one of the things, at least that I've done in my own marketing is I kind of am cheeky about stuff like that and I just say it. And so I think if you're just, you say it in your, whether it's your copywriting or in your videos or whatever, when you're marketing something like that, I think it levels the playing field with people who are listening, who might be having that thought run through their brain and then you're just speaking to it. And so they're like, oh, well, Josh, You know, he gets it like he's not trying to be that person because he's actually just um, a normal guy and is ready to, you know, offer maybe a different type of offer to his audience. And Mm -hmm. and I think that that just like squashes that a little bit. Um, Yeah, it's sort of one of those tricky things that I think you just watch what happens with how people respond to what you're putting out there and then be a little bit on the fly with how you maybe adjust your like the copy or adjust the the messaging that you're using. But I think to not put something out there because you feel nervous of how it's going to be perceived is only doing yourself a huge disservice. And that's like getting stuck in that sort of analysis paralysis, wanting things to be perfect, right? And I think the fastest way we can get clarity is to just take action. And Mm. I know that in my own business, I mean, that's been a theme throughout everything I have done. I did not start with creating courses. Let me just tell you that I have had like 12 different businesses uh, Hmm. that got me to where I am today. And had I not just taken the step of putting the thing out there, getting visible, not being afraid of what people are going to say, you know, I never would have gotten here.
0: Yeah. One last question I want to talk about is pricing. And um, how do we know whether or not to go for like, let's say just like an ongoing monthly Rate versus you know just one lump sum pay me now or or even you know like uh you know three payments of x right right how do we know what to go with
1: well the first question like should it, basically what you're asking is should I do a membership or should I do a course or group program like a mm-hmm. membership is something where we have a recurring monthly yeah. fee in my experience that only works well if you are delivering something where they really, your, your people, your audience, your students really need the new thing every month. So where that works well is let's say someone um, has a stock photography membership. And so every month, those business owners, they need new stock photos or they need new templates or whatever it might be. Um, One person I work with works with teachers and she delivers lesson plans. The teachers need the new lesson plans every month that works well. Otherwise, Memberships, interestingly, even though they're a lower price point, can be a harder sell than just the one-time course or group program. Wow. Um, and I think we just, we all have so many recurring things, right? Netflix, yeah. like all of our subscriptions We're like, oh, don't add another one. So being able to just see, okay, this is going to cost me this much money one time. And this is, you know, I get it forever that that's really an easier yeah it's an easier marketing sell but having said that I always give people payment plan options I Mm. want my things to feel accessible for people so for instance my one of my programs it's a thousand dollars we have um, two different payment plan options for people based on you know what they need and so and and I bring in great people into my programs. Like, yes, you might have sometimes people default on payments, but generally speaking, when you're really upfront about your program and who you are and what you're going to be doing, some people just need a payment plan, right? And we don't need to penalize them for it. So I always give multiple options.
0: Yeah. This is awesome. Gemma Bonham Carter, your website, GemmaBonhamCarter.com. And again, if you click on the show notes or like in your podcast app, click on the I, like you'll look for show notes, like you can get to it. Just mess around, keep messing around in your app and you'll find out where we've got that. And we've got a link right to Gemma's website. Gemma, when they go there, what would you recommend that they click on? Like what's the next step for them?
1: Yeah, so there is, I do have a free on-demand masterclass. And if you really wanna understand how to finally kind of take what you know and turn it into a course, but do it in the way where you're using that methodology around sell it first, create it second. That's really what I talk about in that masterclass class I've kind of got a four-part methodology called the sold method and I take you through it in there so it's about halfway down my page if you actually just go to jemma dot forward slash course dash class you get there too um, it's free free for you to watch anytime and ton of value there so that's probably the place that I would start
0: Mm, Very, very cool. Gemma Bonham Carter on the web at GemmaBonhamCarter.com. This has been a great conversation. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Josh. Such a pleasure.
0: Thanks for listening to the Thoughtful Entrepreneur Show. If you are a thoughtful business owner or professional who would like to be on this daily program, please visit upmyinfluence.com slash guest.